Good evening. Good evening to those of you that are joining us on Facebook Live. Tonight we're going to begin uh, a study in Proverbs, uh, to be honest with you. There are so many things to talk about in Proverbs. So tonight we're just going to have an introduction. <laughs> um, let's start with a word of prayer. Father, thank you for another opportunity to look into your word. I pray that you would open our hearts and minds for the things that you have for us. And Lord, that we might be able to, by your grace and by your spirit, put these things into practice in our day-to-day living. In the name of Jesus Christ, amen. All right, so you'll notice our notes are a little bit longer than normal today. Uh, There's three pages instead of the normal two. Um, And this is just the introduction. Uh, I imagine some of the topics that we may cover over the next few months, uh, there may be a couple of weeks on one topic, but we'll see as we go along. So the title of our book is The Proverbs of Solomon. Uh, In this book, you will find 513 of over 3,000 Proverbs that Solomon wrote, uh, 1 Kings 4.32. He spoke 3,000 Proverbs, and his songs were 1,005. So his hymnal was a little bit bigger than ours. Um, In Ecclesiastes 12.9, it says, And moreover, because uh, because the preacher was wise, he still taught the people knowledge. Yes, he pondered and sought out and set in order many proverbs. Uh, So we we have information from other places uh, that he is the author of the proverbs. Uh, Letter B, Proverbs. It means to be like. It is a book of comparisons between common concrete images and life's profound truths. Uh, I didn't really take any time to think about some concrete images and life's profound truths, but uh, you'd understand how that works. Number three, simple moral statements or illustrations that highlight and teach fundamental realities about life. Uh, When pastor texted me and said that he was home, it was good to be home, but he was not ready to go to the Olympics. I said, slacker. Now, obviously I am kidding, and he knows that. Uh, So I went on to say something along the lines of, uh, there's no better place to be than home, especially when you're recovering. And he said, that's for sure. But, uh, you know, I, I think of, uh, I think it's Proverbs 6. It says, go to the ant, thou slacker, thou sluggard, and learn. So that's the idea there. Number four, Proverbs are pithy sayings designed to make men contemplate. I don't know. Do men contemplate anymore? Um Maybe too much. Yeah, it depends on the uh, subject at hand, I imagine. Uh, It is one of the things that uh, I try and encourage men to read. Why? Well, there's an old saying, readers are uh, leaders, or readers are leaders. Uh, But the reality is is we have to be challenged in how we think. Uh, Because it's very easy to come to these conclusions with these blinders on, and think you're totally okay until someone challenges it, and oh, I got a, I got a perspective over here that I wasn't even aware of, and so that's the idea here of getting men to think. A couple of topics that are in here are the fear of God and living by His wisdom. 
in chapter 1, verse 7, it says, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and instruction. Uh, chapter 9, verse 10 says, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, and the knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. Uh, so as you get to know God and understand who He is and what He's like, uh, you will be gaining uh, wisdom on how to live. So that brings us to our author and date. Obviously, if it's the Proverbs of Solomon, chapter 1, verse 1, uh, then Solomon is the author. Um, Solomon ruled from approximately 971 to 931 B.C. He was granted great wisdom by God in 1 Kings 4, 29-34. And God gave Solomon wisdom and exceedingly great understanding and largeness of heart, like the sand of the seashore. Thus Solomon's wisdom excelled the wisdom of all the men of the east and of all the wisdom of Egypt. For he was wiser than all men, uh, than Ethan the Ezrahite, and Heman, Calcol, and Darda, the sons of Mahal. And his fame was in all the surrounding nations. Again, he spoke 3,000 proverbs. His songs were 1,005. Also he spoke of trees from the cedar tree of Lebanon, even to the hyssop that springs out of the wall. He spoke also of animals, of birds, of creeping things, of the fish, and men of all nations from all the kings of the earth who had heard of his wisdom came to hear the wisdom of Solomon. So you see he uh, probably wrote things down, maybe had someone else write them down, but he would have had scientific manuals as well as proverbs and songs and uh, he was famous because of his wisdom, because God had given him that. He is the author of the didactic section, section of Proverbs. That's Proverbs chapters 1 through 9. You'll notice as we go through, chapters 1 through 9 is steady, even-keeled, hitting a lot of the same subjects over and over and over again. And there seems to be a theme through the chapter at times, where when you get to chapter 10 and following... It's this topic, then that topic, then that topic, then that topic, then that topic. It goes all over the place uh, to the point where you may have something about drinking alcohol, uh, what your wife should uh, talk about or not talk about, uh, and raising children, and just all kinds of things in one chapter. So the didactic or the teaching section, chapters 1 through 9, he is the author of that. He's also uh, the author of the Proverbs of chapter 10, 1 through 22, 16. So now we have 22 uh, and a half chapters of Proverbs that he is definitely the author of. He likely compiled the sayings of the wise in chapters 22, verse 17, through 24, 34. Uh, those wise sayings were things that were written down before he was king. And then in chapters 25 through 29, those uh, chapters were originally composed by Solomon. You see in chapter 25, verse 1, that these are the uh, Proverbs of Solomon that were copied by King Hezekiah. So that's letter B. They were copied and included later by King Hezekiah, who reigned from 715 to 686 B.C. Proverbs was not assembled in its final form until Hezekiah's day. So here he writes 3,000 Proverbs. And the way we have it, 31 chapters, Hezekiah is most likely responsible for getting that in that form 
uh, 200 years after uh, Solomon had written them. Uh, probably because Solomon turned his heart away from God. In 1 Kings 11, 1-11, it says, But King Solomon loved many foreign women, as well as the daughter of Pharaoh, women of the Moabites, Ammonites, Edomites, Sidonians, and Hittites, from the nations of whom the Lord had said to the children of Israel, You shall not intermarry with them, nor they with you. Surely they will turn away your heart after their gods." Solomon clung to the, these in love, and he had 700 wives, princesses, and threescore concubines. Uh, and his wives turned away his heart, for it was so when Solomon was old that his wives turned his heart after other gods, and his heart was not loyal to the Lord his God, as was the heart of his father David. For Solomon went after Ashtoreth, the goddess of the Sidonians, and after Milcom, the abomination of the Amorites. Solomon did evil in the sight of the Lord, and did not fully follow the Lord as did his father David. Then Solomon built a high place for Chemosh, the abomination of Moab, on the hill of the, uh, that is east of Jerusalem, and for Molech, the abomination of the people of Ammon. And he did uh, likewise for all his foreign wives who burned incense and sacrificed to their gods. So the Lord became angry with Solomon because his heart had turned away from the Lord God of Israel, who had appeared to him twice. And he commanded him concerning this thing, that he should not go after other gods, but he did not keep what the Lord had commanded. Therefore, the Lord said to Solomon, because you have done this, and have not kept my covenant and my statutes, which I have commanded you, I will surely tear the kingdom away from you and give it to your servant. Now, what kind of lessons can we get from that? Well, one lesson is just because you're older and mature in the Lord doesn't mean you can't get yanked off the path. Okay? Another one might be, moms and dads, be careful of who your sons marry. Now, we, we like to say, be careful of who your daughters marry, and there's a good reason for that. But the reality is, is you're supposed to leave your mother and father and cleave unto your wife. Ah, so chances are where the wife is, that's where the husband's going. Okay, so be careful who your sons marry. Uh, they can have a very good, positive influence. They can have a very negative influence. Uh, one of the things that I at least struggled with as our kids were growing up and getting married was we made a lot of mistakes as parents, not in any way trying to say that we didn't. But as our kids were getting married, it's kind of like just because they found someone who's a Christian doesn't mean they have the same values. Because a lot of things that are called Christian in this day and age aren't necessarily Christian. Now, I'm not saying anything about any of my daughters-in-law or sons-in-law. What I'm saying is, oh, Lord, lead them to the right person because uh, there's a lot of possibilities out there that might not be very good. Uh, so that, that is just one of the things that we have to face as parents. Yeah, it gets watered down sometimes. Sometimes it does. 
Okay, number three underneath letter B, since Proverbs reveals a godly perspective and is addressed to the naive and the young who need to learn the fear of God. Uh, So they were copied by Hezekiah for that purpose. Chapter 30 reflects the words of Agur, and chapter 31, the words of Lemuel, who perhaps was Solomon, which I'll be honest with you, never heard that before. So that, that's uh, news to me. Number three, the background and setting. Reflections in Proverbs. Proverbs is general wisdom literature. It gives insight from the royal court. It gives instruction in the tender relationship of a father and mother with their children. And all of them are designed to produce meditation on God. You know, what does God think of tattoos? You know, the word tattoo is only used once in the whole of the Old Testament law. And when you look up the Hebrew word, it means to cut. The idea was, I don't want you cutting yourself like uh, the nations do when they're worshiping their false gods. But the word tattoo is there for some reason. Well, if it means to cut, the tattoos that we talk about in our society, that's not what the Old Testament law talks about. And yet, Christians have a real problem with tattoos. Not all Christians, but some do. Why? Because the word tattoo is used. What does God think of tattoos? You know, there are principles in the Word of God, maybe in Proverbs, definitely in 1 Corinthians, uh, that give us an idea of what God may think about all kinds of of subjects that he doesn't speak specifically to. So within Proverbs, we're going to see that kind of a thing. Letter B, Proverbs is wisdom literature given by the sage. In Jeremiah 18.18, it says, Then they said, Come and let us devise plans against Jeremiah, for the law shall not perish from the priest, nor the counsel from the wise, that would be the sage, nor the word from the prophet. Come, let us attack him with the tongue, and let us not give heed to any of his words. And then Ezekiel 7.26, And they said, Come, let us devise plans against Jeremiah, for the law shall not perish from the priest nor counsel. So you, you see, basically, you've got two different prophets saying, uh, talking about the same story. Um, number one, sometimes... Proverbs are difficult to understand. Have you ever noticed that? In Proverbs 1.6 it says, To understand a proverb, an enigma, the words of the wise and their riddles. One of the purposes that Proverbs was written is so that we would learn how to understand uh, those things that are a little bit difficult. Number two, Proverbs gives insight into issues of life which are not directly addressed in the law or the prophets. Again, you can go back to uh, the concept of the tattoo. And again, I, I only use tattoo because it's something that came to my mind. There are any number of subjects that might fit into that uh, category. How about drums? Guitars? The organ? No, either way. Uh, so those are all things that uh, we could understand how God thinks about that. Number three, top of the next page. Uh, though practical, it is not superficial or external because it stresses upright living which flow out of a right relationship with God. Uh, one of the things that, uh, oh, recently, uh, Daniel was, uh, he texted us or maybe he called us, I can't remember, but he said, can you guys give us some 
uh, materials or point us in the direction of some materials because we're dealing with Baker. Baker's going to be two years old next weekend. And uh, man, we're having to swat his little backside a lot. I mean, he's stubborn and, and hard-headed, just like his mother. <laughs> um, and so, you know, we pointed him to Ted Tripp's book, Shepherding a Child's Heart. Why? Most of our parenting is around behavior. Where does behavior come from? It comes from the heart. And you may be able to curb their behavior through the threat of violence, death, you know, maiming and stuff like that. But the reality is, as soon as your threat is not valid anymore, they're going to do what's in their heart. And so uh, recently I was talking to Jonathan and said, hey, you're on the road a lot, a traveling salesperson. Maybe you need to, you got Prime? He says, yeah. And I said, maybe you need to uh, get on Prime and pay for some uh, credits and start listening to audiobooks. One might be shepherding a child's heart, <laughs> okay? Uh, because that's where the behavior comes from, and Proverbs speaks to that kind of behavior. Number four, Solomon speaks to his son things that he learned from his father, and uh, specifically talks about that in Proverbs chapter 4, verses 1 to 4. So that brings us to number four, historical and theological themes. Number one, Solomon's history. He came to the throne with great promise, privilege, and opportunity. God granted his request for understanding in 1 Kings 3, 9 to 12. Therefore, give to your servant an understanding heart to judge your people, that I may discern between good and evil. For who is able to judge this great people of yours? The speech pleased the Lord that Solomon had asked this thing. Then God said to him, Because you have asked this thing and have not asked for long life for yourself, nor have asked riches for yourself, nor have asked that, uh, the life of your enemies, but, I have, uh, but have asked for yourself understanding to discern justice, behold, I have done according to your words. See, I have given you a wise and understanding heart, so that there has not been anyone like you before you, nor shall any like you uh, like you arise after you. So that that's what God did for Solomon at his request. You'll see a little bit more of that in Second uh, Chronicles one ten or eleven. And of course, both here as well as in 1 Kings 4, 29 to 31, his wisdom exceeded all others. And I believe we read that a little bit earlier. Number two, because his heart was turned away from God, he failed to live out the truth that he knew. <sighs> you know, it's difficult sometimes when you're dealing with, uh, in counseling situations, where kids, you know, our parents always made us go to church. But we saw the hypocrisy. It was one thing to say something at church. It was another thing to live it at home. I imagine our, my own kids might be able to say uh, when they were being raised that there was some of that that went on in our lives. Part of it was due to immaturity, okay? Hopefully they understand that now that they're parents. Uh, but uh, part of it was, I want what I want, and that normally shows itself in behavior. And so that's growing up, in Solomon's case, 
because his heart was turned away from the Lord. He wanted what he wanted, and that kind of ruined the tail end of his life. Ecclesiastes, another book that I have great appreciation for, Solomon, in all of his wisdom, is able to examine all these subjects and tell you what is good. Um, and then he concludes. But think about how he gets there. He, he concludes that love God and keep his commandments. That's the best thing you can do, right? But how does he get there? It's all vanity. Mowing the lawn? Vanity. You're going to have to do it again next week. Um, making up to your wife? Vanity. You're going to fight again later. I mean, where did he get that perspective? He had walked away from the Lord and he had seen all the negativity that comes because he wasn't living out the practices. Though he had the wisdom to be able to analyze it and come to good conclusions, it was all vanity. It was worthless. It didn't have any meaning. And of course, without the Lord, that's exactly what life is all about. No meaning. Uh, letter B, these truths were rejected by his son in 1 Kings 11 uh, and 12. You see Rehoboam. Uh, he was not as wise as his dad, that's for sure. Uh, it's interesting because the people come to Rehoboam and say, you know, your dad was trying to get the, the temple built, his, uh, his palace built, took years, took a lot of tax money, a lot of slaves, a lot of work. Hey, we're at peace now. Do you think we could lighten up the load a little bit? So what does Rehoboam do? He goes to the elders and says, hey, this is what they're asking. And, and the elders are going, yeah, you know, they're right. This was a lot of tax money, a lot of labor, a lot of work. Uh, it, it is time to step back. Let them have a little bit of freedom. And then he went to his buddies. And what do buddies know? It's called pooled ignorance. They said, no, yeah, you thought what he did was bad. That's going to be like my little pinky. I'm really going to pound on you. At which point the kingdom was torn in two because uh, the northern ten tribes at least said, yeah, we're leaving, seceding. We're going to be like the south in 1860, that kind of a thing. And, uh, of course, when you only have two out of 12 tribes, you're not going to make the other ten uh, obey type thing. So uh, those, the wisdom principles rejected by Rehoboam. Letter B, Proverbs is a gold mine of biblical theology. Uh, <laughs> theology, such a boring subject. People don't like studying it. Let me tell you something. Theology can be very, very exciting. Getting to know a little bit more about what the Bible says about God um, if you have a problem, can I tell you, you have a theological problem. Uh, if you, you're having uh, contentions with your wife, you have a theological problem. The answer is found in the Word of God. And it ultimately comes down to becoming more like Christ, both of you. Okay, That'll solve your contentions because he was a humble person. He didn't have to snap back when something came uh, his way. Uh, so theology is not boring. It is not hard to understand. Yes, the presentation of it may at times make it difficult, but Proverbs is filled with biblical theology. Um, 
Notice number one, it brings themes of Scripture to the level of practical righteousness. Now, there's a lot of verses here that are straight out of Proverbs. As we go through Proverbs, we'll be uh, uh, seeing those. So I didn't desire to have another seven pages of uh, Bible verses to read to you. Um, whenever we're not in Proverbs, I'll, I'll probably read it. So it uh, brings themes of Scripture to the level of practical righteousness. Uh, letter A, it addresses man's ethical choices. Okay, uh, It calls into question how he thinks lives, and manages his daily life in light of divine truth. Um, last week when we were talking about idolatry in the church, uh, how do you know if you're involved in idolatry? And I, and I gave you three uh, points as to where do you spend your time, money, energy? Okay, that's the idea here. Uh, calling into question, how, how do you manage your daily life in light of divine truth? Let her see, it calls man to live as the Creator intended him to live when he made man. In Psalm 90, uh, verses 1 and 2 and 12, it says, Lord, you have been our dwelling place in all generations. Before the mountains were brought forth, or ever you had formed the earth and the world, even from everlasting to everlasting, you are God. So teach us to number our days that we may gain a heart of wisdom. Number two, the promises of God to the wise and the foolish. According to Proverbs 9.11, a wise person will have a longer life. Uh, According to chapter 2, verses 20 to 22, if you get wisdom, you will prosper. According to chapter 3, verses 13 to 18, if you have wisdom, you're going to have joy. You're going to be happy. Uh, according to Proverbs 12, 21, uh, the goodness of God temporarily. Oh, I didn't finish that sentence, did I? Well, let's take a look at chapter 12 and verse 21 for a minute. That's the best way to handle that. It says, no disaster overcomes the righteous, but the wicked are full of misery. Now, I want you to think about that for just a minute. The righteous never have to worry about tornadoes, hurricanes, floods, um, car wrecks. Oh, <laughs> obviously, when it says no disaster overcomes the righteous, it's not talking about that stuff, is it? But notice, the wicked are full of misery. I think this is dealing more with the eternal state. A lot of things, uh, notice the goodness of God is temporary for the unbeliever, um, but temporal? Temporally. Yeah, that might be it. I, I, I don't know what I was thinking at that point. Letter E, the fool suffers shame, chapter 3 and verse 35, and the fool also suffers death, chapter 10, verse 21. And of course, again, we understand that that death is not just physical death, because even the wise person is going to die. It's dealing with more than that. So those are promises to God, uh, of God to the wise and to the foolish. But number three, we remember that these things are, in, are general in principle, and they're balanced by reality. Uh, sometimes the wicked prosper. Uh, Psalm 73 says, For I was envious of the, and bo- of the boastful. When I saw the prosperity of the wicked, chapter uh, 73.12 says, Behold, these are the ungodly who are always at ease. They increase in riches. 
<coughs> Excuse me. You think about uh, the difficulty in our country today as far as what we call the elites. Okay, the super rich that they have it easy in life. That, that's basically what he's saying here. Psalm 73, verses 17 to 19, he got his mind straight. He says, Until I went into the sanctuary of God, then I understood their end. Surely you set them in a slippery place. You cast them down to destruction. Oh, how they are brought to desolation. As in a moment, they are utterly consumed with terrors. Uh, so you can see that uh, God is going to take care of them also. So in general, the wicked are not going to prosper. The uh, wise person will. But that's a general principle. Reality, we do see sometimes they prosper, but it is temporary. Uh, Job illustrates that the godly wise occasionally are struck with disaster and suffering. And again, as it serves God's purpose in that person's life. Letter C, important themes addressed in Proverbs. You know, most of the time when I read through Proverbs, I see man's relationship to his children, his wife, uh, society. But the first thing that we see in Proverbs is man's relationship to God. Okay? Uh, man's trust of God, Proverbs twenty two nineteen, His fear of God, Proverbs 1, 7, as well as a variety of other places. His sin, Proverbs 28, 13. Uh, facing reward, Proverbs 12, 28. Facing blessing, Proverbs 10, 22. I'm going to have to read that one. Uh, recently was blessed. Uh, his humility, Proverbs three thirty four. His righteousness, 10, 25. His obedience, 6.23. Facing tests, 17.3. Facing death, 15.11. Might have been one of those verses we should have read at the beginning of COVID. Number two, man's relationship to himself, his character. Isn't it interesting that years ago, a young black man said that he wanted his children not being judged by the color of their skin, by, but by the content of their character. And I know a lot of things have been said about Martin Luther King Jr., but go back and look at some of his sermons. Listen to them. I'm sure he was a flawed person just like any one of us. But he spoke an awful lot of truth. Nowadays, we want to judge people according to their skin color. Now, most of the time, the ones that are judging are, well, let's just say they lean to the left. And they're usually white. Not always, but usually. Now, if they lean to the left and they're not white, well, they're usually judging other people of their same ethnic background. Just interesting how that works. So character is pretty important, and Proverbs 20.11 speaks to that. Man's wisdom, Proverbs 1.5. His foolishness. <laughs> I only got two verses here. There are more. Proverbs 26.10 and 11. His speech. Again, a lot of verses on speech in the Bible, but in Proverbs we're going to see it in 18.21. His self-control. Hmm. <laughs> What does every young person have a problem with? 
Self-control. Whenever I'm dealing with kids that are having problems over at the school, it's always somebody else's fault that they acted out. It's kind of like, do you realize that God has, if you're saved, God has given you the Spirit of God, whereby as you walk with Him, you can learn self-control. It is a fruit of the Spirit. It is also something you're supposed to add to your faith. So it's a pretty important concept, and that's found in Proverbs 6, 9 to 11. Uh, man's kindness, Proverbs 3, 3. His wealth, Proverbs eleven four. His pride, Proverbs 27, 1. His anger, Proverbs 29, 11. And his laziness, Proverbs 13, verse 4. Again, that's going to be talked about in chapter 6 and a couple of other places. Man's relationship to others. As far as his love goes, Proverbs 8, 17. Friends, 1717, enemies, 1927, truthfulness, 2323, gossip. Gossip's one of those respectable sins. You know, it's okay if we talk about other people among ourselves as long as they don't find out. Now, hopefully you understand the sarcasm that I just spoke that with. Uh, Gossip, 20, verse 19, uh, as far as uh, a father goes, Proverbs 20, verse 7, 31, 2 to 9. As far as a mother goes, 31, 10 to 31. As far as children goes, 3, 1 to 3. In educating children, Proverbs 4, 1 to 4. In disciplining children, Proverbs 22, 6. So these are some important themes. On the uh, second page, you'll see one more. Two major themes that are interwoven and overlapping throughout uh, Proverbs. Number one is wisdom, which includes knowledge, understanding, instruction, discretion, and obedience. And the second is, uh, our second part of wisdom is built on the fear of the Lord and the Word of God. Uh, How many of you may have uh, seen the movie, The Jesus Revolution. Uh, It's on Netflix now, and uh, Lynn and I watched it last night. And one of the things I have to say I appreciated about Chuck Smith is he would start out his service like this. This is the Word of God. Let's open it together. Now, one of the reasons why I appreciate that is because this is the Word of God. This is where we go to find out God's love, about, uh, love for us, our, our messed up situation, our need, His provision. Um, Chuck Smith, being from uh, Calvary Chapel, you, you can hear about Calvary Chapel on uh, 89.3. Uh, I don't agree with all the preachers that are on there, but a lot of them are pretty good. Uh, I'll be listening to them on my headphones while I'm mowing the lawn at times. But uh, you might remember Chuck Cage. He, he's part of Calvary Chapel. Uh, we don't agree with them theologically on a couple of issues, tongues, things like that. But Chuck Smith basically said, look, if you want to speak in tongues, fine. Here's how you do it. We went right to 1 Corinthians chapter 14. Two, three at the most, one at a time, has to be an interpreter. And sorry, ladies, no women. Okay, that's what the Bible says. So if you're going to do it, at least do it the way the Bible says it. 
I have so little problem with that. Uh, I don't agree that uh, tongues is for today. It's not that God can't do it. I believe they ceased. Uh, they'll happen again in the future. Right now, they're, who needs tongues? Missionaries. God gives grace to learn a language. He could just, bing, and there you can speak Portuguese fluently first day you're down there. And for some reason, he doesn't do that. <laughs> so just saying. And then the second uh, theme that is interwoven and overlapped throughout is folly is everything opposite to wisdom. Just a moment. <coughs> Whenever I get talking, that cough wants to come through. Letter D, interpretive challenges. Well, within Proverbs, knowing what Proverbs are all about, veiled truths. Uh, the generally elusive nature of wisdom literature, it's like the parables. The intended truths are often veiled from understanding at a cursory glance. They must be pondered in the heart. And you see a bunch of passages there. Uh, I don't know about you, when I first got saved and I'm reading through the Gospels, um, I'll be honest with you, there was an awful lot of those Proverbs that I'm going, that's nice. I don't get it. <laughs> but the thing I liked about it was it showed right there that the disciples didn't either. And he was having to explain it to them. So I didn't feel like I was uh, an ignoramus or anything like that. Number two, the extensive use of parallelism uh, in Proverbs makes it sometimes hard to understand. Letter A, the placing of truths side by side so that the second line expands, completes, defines, emphasizes, or reaches the logical conclusion, the ultimate end, or in some cases gives you a contrasting point of view. So you, you, the first line says this, the second line magnifies it or gives you the opposite side, uh, that kind of thing. Uh, letter B, often the actual parallel is only implied. In other words, you kind of have to know a little bit about the culture sometimes to figure it out. Uh, letter C, in interpreting Proverbs, one must determine the parallelism and often complete what is assumed and not stated by the author, identify the figures of speech and rephrase the thought without those figures. In other words, put it in a language that you understand. Uh, summarize the lesson or principle of the proverb in a few words. That's basically saying, say it the way you understand it. Uh, number four, describe the behavior that is taught. And again, why do you want to describe the behavior? Because you're going to have an understanding of the root of that behavior. And so, uh, and then number five, find examples inside of Scripture. Letter D, challenges are also found in the various contexts of Proverbs, all of which affect interpretation and understanding. Number one, there is the setting in which they were spoken. This is largely the context of young men in the royal court of the king. Very often he says, listen, my son, to my words. Well, he's talking to his son. But who's talking? The king to the prince. So here's the way we act in this public setting. Here's how to do things. So... Number two, there is the setting of the book as a whole and how it teach, its teachings are to be understood in light of the rest of Scripture. 
For example, when we go back to the law, what was the purpose of the law? In the New Testament, we're going to say the knowledge of sin. Cool. Problem is, that's not what God told Israel at the time. God told Israel at the time, look, I'm bringing you into this land. This is my land. And you're going to get to live here. It's a land flowing with milk and honey. Da-da-da-da-da-da. Uh, but here's how you got to live if you want to stay in the land. If you don't live this way, I'll stop the rain. I'll bring enemies upon you. And if you won't repent, I'll kick you out. Ultimately, that's exactly what he did. When, they, when he takes them off to Babylon, he says there were 70, uh, was it years of jubilee? I believe that's right. I'm not exactly sure. There, there were 70 years when they should have let the, oh, every seven years they were supposed to let the land rest. No planting. You would live on the uh, overabundance that he gave you the year before. And uh, they didn't let the rent land rest. And God said, fine, now we're going to let the land rest. And you're going to be gone for all 70 years so that I know it gets done. Uh, that kind of thing. So when you're reading Proverbs, you've got to understand uh, some of those things as far as what's going on, uh, the purpose of it, and stuff like that. Uh, let me see here. We're down here to number three. There's a historical context in which the principles and truths draw on illustrations from their own day. Uh, number four, understanding that Proverbs are divine guidelines and wise observations, which are not always inflexible laws or absolute promises. Uh, for example, when we get to Proverbs 31, that virtuous woman, girls, you just need to you know, live a certain way uh, until, of course, you read the chapter. Then you find out all the things that the church has been pushing on women as far as uh, being domesticated. Don't have a problem with that. that. That's a biblical concept. But think about some of the other things this woman does. She goes out and buys a field and then sells it at a profit. So she's a real estate agent. She has servants that work for her, and she makes sure that they are clothed and taken care of. There's all kinds of things there that this woman is rich. I'm not married to a rich woman. I don't understand. <laughs> uh, but it's not, this is the way it has to be for every woman. This is, here's something to shoot for. Uh, always there's something to shoot for for all of us, even men. Uh, so that, that's the idea there. Uh, notice the last three points here. These expressions of general truth generally do have exceptions due to the uncertainty of life and the behavior of fallen men. God does not guarantee uniform outcome or application for each proverb. And one of the things that we hear a lot about from our government presently is equity. Uh, the concept of equity in their thinking is an, a uniform outcome. Well, the reality is, is God doesn't even promise that. How on earth does the government think they're going to get it? Especially when you find out, you know, Michael Jordan, I think, might be a year or two younger than me. Maybe he's a year older than me. Um, I'll bet, because he's so old, if I got on the basketball court with him, he would wipe the table with me. Why? Because he is talented 
when it comes to basketball. And I am not. Okay? Um, equal outcome? No, I don't think so. Equal opportunity? Yeah, when I was a kid, uh, I liked shooting the basket for about five minutes. He would shoot it for hours. There wasn't going to be an equal outcome. And the same thing is true even with the principles that God has set forth. Uh, sometimes it just doesn't work uh, the way uh, we think. And then number three, in studying them and applying them, one comes to contemplate the mind of God, His character, His attributes, His works, and His blessings. I've been saying this for a while, especially when we look at the concept of uh, Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2. I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God. And don't be pressured into the way the world thinks, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, so that you might prove what is the good, acceptable, and perfect will of God. In other words, as we're transforming our mind or renewing our mind through the Word of God and, and we're being transformed, we learn to think like God thinks. What does God think about that? What does God think about that? What does God think about that? Well, you know, he really didn't say about that. So how do we determine if it's okay? Oh, there's principles over here. See, he has given us everything that we need for life and godliness through the knowledge of him who called us. So uh, good stuff. We will try and do the uh, introductory verses in chapter 1 next week. And uh, Wednesday night, there are questions in the back. Larry is going to be teaching uh, the two chapters that he has. And uh, so, Lord willing, see you Wednesday night, 5.30-ish. Um, and we'll eat around 6. Let's give thanks and be on our way. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for Solomon. We recognize, Lord, like so many of your saints, including us, he was a flawed guy. He messed up big time. But at the same time, you used him in a powerful way in the bringing forth of your word, the principles for wisdom. And so as we look at these things, we ask that you would open our hearts and our minds and teach us to be wise. We ask this in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen.